0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Never, never I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Well, what I do is uh, I look a woman up and down, and I say, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and I do hope you're doing well, everybody. This is Jim McCarron. back with another edition of The Good, The Bad, and the TV on the number one podcast network for professionals. It's the Believe Podcast Network. Check us out on our website, believe.com, or subscribe to and rate us on the platform of your choice. Up to you. Hey, now let's believe in the good, the bad, and the TV. The year is 1972. It's the year of the Godfather, the Poseidon Adventure, Cabaret, Deliverance, Jeremiah Johnson, The Getaway, and, say it with me, Blackula. In 1972, a new cable TV service known as Home Box Office signs on. Three words that before too long become three initials that mark the start of a change of fortunes for all screens of all sizes. Richard Nixon is re-elected for a second term as president in 1972. Don't get too comfortable, Dick. But for now, for this year, he orders the space shuttle program into development and signs Title IX into law as part of the Education Amendments of 1972. Title IX prohibits gender discrimination in any educational program that receives federal funds. Elsewhere on the front pages, Alabama's segregationist Governor George Wallace is shot by a would-be assassin. He survives, but he'll be paralyzed from the waist down for the remaining 26 years of his life. Former President Harry Truman passes away a day after Christmas, nearly 20 years after leaving office. The EPA bans DDT. In a 5-4 split, the Supreme Court holds that capital punishment is not constitutional, and the Minnesota Supreme Court rules that a state law preventing same-sex marriage is. See you in a few decades, Minnesota. In 1972, the year that marks the arrival of Ms. Magazine, Shirley Chisholm, the first African-American congresswoman, announces her candidacy for president. Sally Priesand becomes the first female rabbi in the United States. Country superstar and coal miner's daughter, Loretta Lynn, becomes the first female to win the Country Music Association's Entertainer of the Year Award. The FBI hires its first female agents, and Dartmouth and the Boston Marathon each allow females for the first time. In sports, two words sum up one of the biggest moments in 1972. Say them with me. Immaculate reception. That's the headline over the final seconds of the AFC divisional playoff game between the Steelers and the Raiders, when, with the Raiders up 7-6, to six, the Terry Bradshaw pass meant for Terry Fuqua bobbles its way into the hands of Franco Harris, who runs it in for a touchdown and a game win. It'll be a smart thing never to mention this play in Oakland, from this year, basically through the end of all of them. And on the subject of 10-letter words, 1972 is also the year that George Carlin is arrested in Milwaukee on the grounds of public obscenity for doing his seven words, you can't say on television routine, on stage at the city's annual Summerfest celebration. At the very end of the year, a sad note is struck Pittsburgh Pirates right fielder Roberto Clemente, an all-star for 13 seasons, dies in a plane crash on his way to deliver aid to earthquake victims in Nicaragua. He's 38. It's a somber New Year's Eve in Pittsburgh and with fans of baseball all over. For the longest time dating back to days of radio, New Year's Eve has meant better memories like ringing in the new... With Guy Lombardo. He's the Canadian-American band leader who in the early 1920s forms and fronts the Royal Canadian Orchestra and then brings that band's holiday celebration to radio in 1927 in Chicago. In 1929, the party moves to the Roosevelt Hotel in New York City for a bigger bang, marking what's hailed as radio's first nationwide New Year's Eve broadcast. This is where it stays and plays for the next 30 New Year's Eves, after which the Lombardo and Company move across town to the Waldorf Astoria. Since 1956, the party's on TV as well, and staying up to hear and to watch the Royal Canadian's Orchestra, complete with live coverage from Times Square for the Midnight Countdown, is an annual near compulsory New Year's Eve tradition Guy Lombardo's name becomes synonymous with the date, and the orchestra's recording of "Old Lang Syne becomes the country's annual New Year's anthem. In the early 1970s, as TV and its audience have both grown and fragmented, Dick Clark, host of American Bandstand since, well, forever, and a Guy Lombardo-level celebrity in his own right for the younger crowd, Decides it's time for a new take on the new year. A new tradition for that younger crowd. Straight from his own rock and roll lane. A rock music-laced New Year's Eve countdown show. It begins in 1972. A hipper place to hang on a big night, it's loaded with rock acts. Clark handles the live Times Square countdown part. Supergroup Three Dog Night, of Joy to the World fame, is host the slightly cumbersome title, Three Dog Nights, New Year's Rockin' Eve. A year later, comedian George Carlin takes over the job for what's simply now called New Year's Rockin' Eve, same live countdown, same Times Square, same Dick Clark, same rock music performances before and after, both years, the special airs on NBC. On December 31st, 1974, Clark himself takes over as host. And ABC is the new and permanent home, headlined by the popular rock group Chicago. The show this year is called Chicago's New Year's Rockin' Eve, which sounds like it might be confusing in Illinois. But three years in, the Dick Clark's reinvention of New Year's Eve is now a hit. On CBS, Guy Lombardo and the Royal Canadians remain on the air, but the smooth listening old fashioned concept, like its host, is aging. In fact, Lombardo dies in November of 1977. The Royal Canadians soldier on, but the upstart new competition on ABC takes over as the default party to ring in the New Year with. Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve is the new annual go to and it stays that way, you're in, you're out. Throughout the 1970s and then well into the 21st century, decade after decade, the place to be on New Year's Eve, if only through TV, is with Dick Clark. The formula is always the same, popular stars of the day serve as host. Can you say Aaron Moran and John Schneider in 1980? Lots of equally huge at the moment musical acts performing for eager dancers, cheesily pre-recorded well in advance, we to find out, and live coverage of the Times Square countdown itself, courtesy of Dick Clark, the bold-faced name that carries all the weight, and who owns the holiday now, as Lombardo once does. TV being TV, where too much is never enough, ABC expands the show as the years and good ratings go by, first in the late 1990s, into a separate but connected aftershow, and then in 2001, with an hour-long primetime pre-show. In December 2004, 75-year-old Dick Clark suffers a minor stroke, and after 32 years at the helm, takes this December 31st off. Regis Philbin fills in. A year later, Clark has a heralded return, but for the first time, he also has an equally heralded co-host, the ubiquitous Ryan Seacrest, assumed but unspoken. Seacrest is being groomed to take over. That Seacrest is also named an executive producer tilts the gossip. It's mostly Seacrest this return year anyway. Dick Clark is seen in just limited spots. He still does the live countdown. He looks okay, but his speech is impaired by the stroke, something he acknowledges on air. But he's game this night, as he continues to be for several more years in this diminished capacity. Come 2009, it's official. Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest is the new title. In December 2011, there's a huge 40th anniversary celebration. It begins in and takes over ABC's primetime schedule, ramping up steam for the live countdown at midnight, which Clark is there for. Viewers assume, correctly, it'll be his last appearance. It's one of the highest rated Rockin' Eves ever. Dick Clark dies in April of 2012, later in the year as 2012 becomes 2013. His New Year's Eve legacy, one of his many legacies, is recognized by the Times Square Alliance, organizers of the annual ball drop. One of its Waterford Crystal panels is engraved with Dick Clark's name. You gotta believe Hey, I'm Jim McCarrens. We'll be back next year with another edition of The Good, the Bad, and the TV. (laughs)